notes, would you write in the test? You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been in school, but one of my t- toughest and hardest subjects was math. Now, most of the time, a student who has any brains doesn't walk up to their, stu- t- their a teacher and say, well, you answer number 20. You think you're so smart. But don't you realize, I, hold on just a second, that's kind of what's happening here. Luke, the 10th chapter. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Not a bad question at all. Good question. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Now, let me ask you the question. Who is the expert in the law? Now, I'm not asking who the guy is. I want to know who's the expert in the law. Is it the one who read it, the one who studied it, the one who became an expert in the law, or was it the one who authored the law? Is not the teacher being asked the question, hey, how do you read what you authored, what you wrote? It's all God-breathed, and here the expert in the law, not knowing who Jesus is, asked the question. You know what, it wasn't inherently wrong for the expert in the law to ask the question, you know, uh, how do I inherit eternal life? Don't you have spiritual questions? We have questions. I am not picking on this guy in any way, shape, or form. I have questions, you have questions, and we search the Scriptures and we find answers. We find God's responses. And so, whatever question you have, keep after it till you get, get an answer. But Jesus refers the man back to the biblical law since he's an expert in the law, and that entails a lot. That entails all everything you know, in the law, and the man, rightly so, he's called the man an expert in the law for good reason. He got it right. Love the Lord your God with everything you got. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, though it starts with Jesus being tested, it ends up with the expert being tested because as Jesus often does, and this is a great thing, you got somebody asking you a tough question, a spiritual question, one of the best responses is to ask them a question back. You know, think about it, process it, you know. You know, ask a question when somebody asks a question. It's one, it's, it really does help you understand a little bit deeper than sometimes what we think. Haven't you ever had somebody ask you a question and you think, I know where, where they're going? Find out, no, I just stuck my foot in my mouth. Asking a question is, is a good way. And Jesus says, hey, man, you got it correct. Do this, and you're going to inherit your eternal life. You got it. You're going to live. You know, and that should have been enough, right? Should have been enough. He got the answer to his question, but there's this thought that the second commandment brings towards people as almost not as important. Now, folks, in order for me to start my car, I have to have two things. Number one, I have to have the fob in my pocket, or I have to have it in the car, and I have to have my foot on the brake. I can't just have my foot on the brake and not the fob or vice versa. I push the button all day long, it won't start. And my concern is, as I studied this, is I sense the Lord saying to me, Evan, people think number one is great, and number two, uh, you know, it's not as important. 
And I'm saying to you today, that's absolutely not true. The two of them are two halves to a whole, if you, do, if you allow me to even say it that way. I mean, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, can't you just skimp a little bit on loving your neighbor? Because the question that we have is, all of those mean people that are mean to us, all of the people that are going through your mind and my mind as a preface, is how am I supposed to treat them? This might be heaven. If I think like the expert thinks, I want you to listen to his question. Here, here comes number two, and this is the excuse. You know, sometimes you learn a lot about somebody when there's several questions out there, several things being talked about, what they don't ask. There, there's this question that's coming up, and there's this excuse coming up, and the question that's not asked says a whole lot. You look at verse 29 in your notes. But he wanted, the expert in the law, he wanted to, be, to justify himself... So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He had two answers. Jesus says they're right and they're correct. Which question didn't he ask? Well, who's my God? He didn't have a problem with that, or so he thought. He didn't have a problem with the first one. I know who my God is. And in some small way, he does what we do. He was forming God in his own image. He knew who God was. That wasn't the question to him. It was when it gets down to the people that are the problems in the world. God's not the problem in the world, but God is saying, I want you to understand the whole fulfillment of the law is your love for me and your love for my creation. The expert didn't ask, who is my God? The first commandment as it is not a standalone commandment, everybody. It's not, we'll do the first one and then you can just kind of work on the second one. I, I get it, I understand that there's a process sometimes. Uh, the second place is, is, is not as important as first place sometimes. We think the expert believed he had the first commandment down pat. But Jesus was about to show him that loving your neighbor was fulfilling the first commandment too. Loving your neighbor was part of the whole. And the expert in the law was looking for an excuse and God, he's looking for himself in us. Because to love your neighbor as yourself means to treat every person on earth as God the Father would treat them. I understand that sometimes there's some people you have to deal with. You know, I, I'm not asking you to commit intellectual suicide here, but I'm asking you to challenge yourself to get to the place where we love our neighbor as ourself. We would treat them. Isn't it interesting? The first commandment doesn't say, Love God as you love yourself. The first commandment says, love him with every fiber of your being. The second commandment says, once you've done that, love your neighbor as yourself. And then look around. Look at all of Jesus' teaching. Look at how good God was to so many people that basically spit in his face. See, he's trying to take us to a place that though we may be uncomfortable, we can experience his presence. Because to love people that our neighbor, somebody who's in need or whatever it might be, sometimes help, takes us beyond our capability and our spiritual maturity or our love. I, I love Corey Ten Boom's continuing stories that after she had come out of Nazi concentration camps and had faced in a situation, one of the captors, one of the guys who was dictating over them, one of the ones who was a part of uh, her losing her life and being tormented and tortured in there, that she claimed, 
Romans 5, 5. Lord, I don't really know if I could like this man, but Romans 5, 5 says, you have poured out your Holy Spirit in my heart. Through your love that you pour out in me, may I love this man. And she did. And she did. That could be me. I mean, here's the excuse coming up. The reason that, that uh, we have this love for God in this number one is because I really can't love my neighbor unless I love God. Every one of us here, you know, uh, we have a child, and lots of times they'll say, man, boy, I, I, I see that in Evan's kid. Man, that, that kid's a pain in the neck, you know. Or sometimes we, we, we see something in somebody. There's people here, you, you want to see something in your pet, you know, your cat, your rat, your dog, whatever. Oh, there's a resemblance of my animal in who I am. And God the Father wants to pour out His characteristic, His very being through His Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit into us. And if that's the case, number one and number two, they have to go together. Love for God is the foundation for me loving my neighbor. And the expert in the law had the theory down correct, but didn't have the practice. Haven't we all asked, Jesus, do you really want me to? Jesus, do you really want me not to worry? I mean, really, it's part of who I am. It's part of my being. It's part of what I am. Do you really want me to treat crabby people nice? Did you really mean that those people who are out there that, 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 that treat me nasty, I'm supposed to treat them nice, otherwise there's no difference between me and a sinner? I was talking to somebody uh, just the other day, and where the field that they work in, uh, there's a lot of elderly people. And they talk about the people in their 80s, and they were talking about people 80 and 85, how some of them become soft and gentle and as kind and as wonderful to be around. Then they told me about people, and I don't... I'll, I'll just say, they, they told me about these people. They get to their 80s, their 85, whatever, and they say, I don't need to be nice to nobody. I don't need to cover and be kind. I'm who I am. I don't care who I hurt, who I offend, what I say, what I do. They, and they told me, these elderly people think they've earned the right to treat people the way they treat them. Like becoming old is a reason to treat people. Uh, man, I... Uh, I hope to God I don't become one of those crabby old older people. Matter of fact, the other day, I'll confess to you, I had been crabby for three days. And I walked into bed and walked back out, and I said, I said, Hunt Maria, I said, I am sorry for being crabby. I've just been crabby. An amazing thing happened. It was much easier to be nice once I said that to her. Folks, the, the lost out there, they can get old and crabby if they want. We can't be young, middle-aged, old, or whatever. Jesus says the way you treat others resembles who you are, who I am. This might be Evan using the excuse, looking for the excuse, looking for an excuse to not love whoever it is that's on your mind right now. I am not telling you to let somebody abuse you. I'm not telling you to let tell somebody to walk on you. I'm hoping that we all hear. I'm not, let's think it through. It's, there are many, many people that are so easy to be nice to, though they are a pain in the neck. I'm not talking about people that take advantage. Number, number three, this might be me. I want to talk to you about the phonies. I want to talk to you about the so-called experts, right? 
Have you ever hired the so-called experts? Oh, this person is very good at this. You know, there's a website now. Go, you can hire the experts. Here, are these are the experts. They put windows in. They come in, they put windows in, and they leave, and it's like a mess. You ever go to the experts, the so-called experts? There's those in the spiritual world, too. Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, he tells a story, which is what he often does. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And just so you know, if you know the terrain there, Pastor Dale, you've been there many times. From what I read and understand, it literally is a descent to go uh, this entire distance uh, from higher to lower situation there. They stripped this man of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And what I read at this time, it was a, a, a road of commerce. There would be places along the way. It wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the safest place. But it was a place that was necessary to a lot of people to travel. Verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. Now, folks... The phony, the word phony comes from the word hypocrite. It's a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religiosity. The hypocrite, the, the phony. An expert doesn't always act expertly, do they? I mean, it could very well be somebody's uh, car alarm's going off. Probably mine, no. It could very well be that you know somebody who's an expert in something, but they're not acting expertly in that scenario, Correct? So an expert doesn't ask, and here's a priest, and here's a Levite, and here's the religious leader. I wonder who the expert in the law thought about. Jesus goes right to the heart of everything he's been studying, everything he's an expert in. Hey, you know these guys, right? Maybe he was, you know, the priest, the Levite, the in-between person, the one that God had here to be the mediator. Here's man. Here's God, and here's the priest. They offer sacrifices. There's the Levite intercession and prayer. There they are, and they're not going to help a guy. And that's had to be what the speaker uh, had to say. And the, the, the expert in the law is just like, well, okay, I, I think I see where we're going. Was Jesus' intention to really challenge or to shame him? Was Jesus' challenge to say to him, well, this might be me? I don't know about that, but I do know this. It is definitely Jesus's challenge to say to you and me, hey, Evan, might this be you? Might this be you? When someone or anyone is in need and I'm willing to help them, uh, I understand and see that my neighbor is God's creation. <coughs> God is good to all of us. And here's what I want to say to you. The alarm is going off so you hear what I'm saying to you. <laughs> Listen to what I want to say. This is I think to the Lord... The second commandment is to be proactive. You know, I don't sit around and just wait for somebody to do this or that or the other. Somebody. No, as Christians, and I say to you, one of the most important things about fellowship is you find the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. And it happens here. And it happens and expands out past here. It's proactive. It looks and it says, you know, um, man, does somebody, need, somebody approach me. Ten days ago, hey, they're hiring where I work. If you know anybody needing a job, boom. We help each other. We help each other. It happens inside the church. But the tougher thing is to help somebody who might be a Samaritan. Those that were the half-breeds. Those that would be hated. 
The Levites and the priests, oh man, they're not even going to worry about it. They're not even going to think about it. They're just like, no way. And to hear the possibility that a Samaritan would come along, that might irritate this expert in the law. It might irritate him. It might shame him. The whole purpose of sanctification, folks, that second work of grace is for us to be emptied of ourselves and to be filled with the presence of the Lord and more especially than anything else, as John Wesley would teach, perfect love. Perfect love that has the power and the strength to help or to love a neighbor when you don't really like them. Our excuse for whatever it might be, uh, the phonies that are out there, uh, most think that they know God, so they kind of skip the first commandment, and they question the second commandment, much like this man, like we all have done, but loving God is defined by loving my neighbor. I think the most telling part of the story is that both of them used, Jesus used the word on the other side. They're on the other side. They pass by on the other side. Which I think loving my neighbor and practicing it and carrying out lets me know whose side I'm on. It lets me know am I really on God's side for all he's done. Hasn't there ever been somebody here that you've cut somebody off and they got angry at you and then you got cut off and you were filled with the Spirit you didn't get angry and you said, listen, I've done the same thing. I've pulled out and not looked. I've done that. That could be me. That's the attitude that Jesus is trying to help us pick up, most especially when we realize that he saves sinners. And he's forgiven us of so very much. Don't be a phony, Evan. Ask yourself, might this be me? Number four. The enemy. Right? <laughs> Have you ever had somebody come up to you and tell you about somebody to watch out for? Yeah, watch out for Jack, Evan. You know, um, he, he, he doesn't, he, 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 he talks behind your back. He'll gossip about you. He, as soon as he's behind your back, he'll stab you in the back. He's somebody you don't want to, and this has happened to me several times in life. And then I get to meet Jack. And I get to know Jack. And I find out Jack is a pretty good guy only to find out that the one who was the problem was the guy who told me about Jack. You've been there. I want you to take a look at who the enemy is, right? But a Samaritan, verse 33, as he traveled, came to where the man was. This, I, I don't know how this would compare to you and me, but a Samaritan? The half-breed the one that who would not, the, the good, holy people who would not go right through Samaria would go around it, put the extra effort into it so they could show how godly they are, how close they won't even defile themselves with those half-breeds. But a Samaritan, Jesus says to the man, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now here comes the heart of God. Here comes the heart of God that is supposed to be the characteristic that we carry. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took (coughs) two denarii out and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Interesting enough that I believe the Samaritan was chosen to get his attention. You know, somebody who they wouldn't think would stop and do something like this. Something that would teach a lesson is that, is this the one? We don't know his faith, we don't know his religion, but we, we know his care, we know his concern. And while the priest and the Levite worried about defiling themselves, let's pass by on the other side, the Samaritan thought of the man and thought this, that could be me. Which is the essence of love your neighbor as yourself. That could be me. So he used his own time, he used his own attention, his own oil, his own wine, his own animal, and his own money because he said, that could be me. That's the essence of loving God, which is found in love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you find yourself here today like me, oftentimes you think, man, there's just some people, I'm just not going to treat them nice. How am I supposed to do that? You're in a great place. Because what is going to have to happen is you and I are going to need Christ to take us where we can't go in and of ourselves, which is what it means to follow Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the fulfillment of the law. Do it, and that's awesome. You got it. The Samaritan may have been an enemy of the Israelites, but in this story, he's a friend of God because he's a friend of somebody who ended up being his neighbor. He didn't ask, who's my neighbor? And he didn't need to ask, who is my God? See, sometimes the one people claim is the enemy is actually the expert. And sometimes the one who claims to be the expert is actually not the expert. In your notes I have, it has been me. And I I intend that to say to you, I've been on both sides of this situation. I've been on the side of asking myself the question, should I stop? Should I help? Should I do this? And I've been at the place where I found, uh, usually I'm too busy, you know, uh, I'm not sure about this person. They don't deserve, I've been there, everybody. I've been on that side, but I've also been on the other side. And this is what I love, and we were recently just talking to people about the church. There's been times when I've needed help or some of my family's needed help, and the church has been my neighbor. And they've come along and they've helped wonderfully. I could tell you story after story. I could tell you about my daughter needing a hot water tank and Pastor Dale negotiating at a great price and his son delivering it to the house. I could tell you stories about all kinds of people loving others, but that's a little easy. I'm a nice guy. I'm I'm easy to love. But then there are those that Jesus Christ calls us to go beyond because the Father is good and he lets the rain fall on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Have you ever watched TV like this? You know, something comes on medically, you know, Nate. My wife watches these medical programs and these shows. Oh, okay. well, sometimes I leave the room. I tape them for her so she can watch them so she knows I love her. But it's like, oh, how can you? It's gross. If I were to say to you the name of Sandra Lee, would you know who I was talking about? I hate to say the name, Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> Television show? 
eh, she, she, I'm going to show you just a 40-second clip because that's all I can take. <laughs> she runs into this guy. He's a driver. He's picking her up. He don't know who she is. She says, did somebody set you up with this? Do you know what I do for a living? And she is a, what, a dermatologist or something. She takes off. She fixes things. She, uh, man, oh, man, that's barely. I, I watched it once already at the other show. I'm going to just... I'm going to just watch it like this. Could you kill the lights? Just give us those 40 seconds. Everybody, go ahead. Put your hand up. Go ahead. That's all right. All right. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. Isn't it wonderful that there are people like that in the world? That that's what they care about? When she said to him, I, I, I got to take care of that nose, I'm glad she came back around and said the second one because I think the guy was thinking she's taking my whole nose off. And, hasn't it tr- and isn't it true that there are people that we pass by and we want to put our hand up in front of our face? Do you know this man almost was going to lose his job because people wouldn't drive with him? And here she is Say, let me see if I can help you out. Are there people that we watch like this? We put our hand up in front of our face? Because it's too gross or too difficult or whatever the infirmity might be. It may be a lousy attitude. But aren't we supposed to be better than the rest of the world? Isn't that what it is that we're supposed to be about? In your notes, I have verse 36 to conclude, you know. He answers the question, who's my neighbor? And uh, verse 36 well, which of these three, Jesus finishes his conversation, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus answered, going back to his question, you want to inherit eternal life? Go and do likewise. Didn't even hardly have to deal with the first of the greatest commandments. Dealt with the one that we struggle with the most. And so, in your notes, one last thing. Central thought of what I might have for you today. Only one person thought that could be three. That could be me. Out of three people who passed, the question is, which are you? That is the question that I sense as the Lord asks us here today. Out of the three, which one of these said, that could be me? Am I anything like that? So I'm going to show you a video clip here, and I want to leave you with a couple different thoughts today, everybody. I need you more. More than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say, because I have people in my mind, and you may too, that I'm not loving them. I'm not treating them kind. Didn't... Uh, don't uh, we when I say that living by the first and the greatest commandment is the only thing the second one be careful you don't skimp on it the expert in the law was looking for whoever didn't have to love whoever he didn't have to love and I I ask you the question is that possibly you I mean he really did show he was an expert in the law to Jesus's first question he got both answers right and to Jesus's second question he got the right answer the one who had mercy on him I say to you today, you know, as Pastor Daniel uh, gets ready and we get ready to transition, wouldn't it be just an awesome place for us to just take one step deeper? I need you more. I need you to help me with the situation for this church to become the church that loves 
the Lord his God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loves our neighbor and those outside of here and those maybe some of us put on the prayer request form to see somebody come to know who Jesus Christ is. Here's a little video from him and uh, you get a chance to see his children. <laughs> 